Welcome to Behind the Camera, a show dedicated to the producers, directors, technicians, and all the people that bring the images of sport to your television every night. I'm your host, Uncle Jesse. On today's show, I sit down with Mitch Riggin. He's a network director for Fox Sports. He also directs for the Anaheim Angels for Fox Sports West. Welcome in, Mitch. Good to see you. Good to see you too, man. Nice to be here in this uh, strange uh, time we're, we're going through for all of us here in this freelance world. I was going to say, I uh, I noticed your hairdo is a little different today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like the quarantine cut. It's uh, I'm going with the quarantine shag because I'm like, my hair is just getting crazy. Yeah, you know what? I figured... Uh... We're kind of in the Mad Max kind of time, Mad Max kind of world. I figured I just I just live the part. You know, I'm kind of a visual person. I figured this one <laughs> might help. You know, it's a little strange uh, moving into a new neighborhood. Uh, I did have the hair normal um, when I first moved in, but then uh, a couple of days later, I had the the mohawk, and some of the neighbors were giving me like, uh, "Hey, welcome to the neighborhood, guy." You know, I've got six feet distance. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but yeah, uh, good thing for quarantine, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know and also it looks it does kind of with the beard it kind of yes. it's it's kind of a good symmetry it's a good upside down i think it might work the same both ways so i, I don't know <laughs> that's great well the best part about our industry is that you kind of do get to be yourself so it's it's fun that way you go how did you get started you started like most of us i mean i direct like you do and uh we all usually go through the td route we punch the buttons and sit next to directors to learn our craft but is that how you got started yeah you know i started out you know like a lot of us i started out as a runner um in like 1991 in the Bay Area. I started out as a runner, worked my way up, did some ADing, I did some, t I did some uh, stage managing, did utility before that, obviously, uh, grip work, all that kind of stuff like that. And then I worked my way into TD and uh, I was pretty lucky. I picked it up pretty quick. I was able to uh, kind of grasp the concept. And uh, luckily the same switcher they had in the Jumbotron at Candlestick Park, they had in the truck, which was uh, kind of amazing at that point. So I was able to transition into that and um, yeah, I started TDing. And then in 96, I was TD the, uh, the International World Series. And then from 97 to 2000, I TD'd the, uh, the Fox uh, postseason and the game of the week with, uh, with Bill Webb. It was quite an experience and it was, I was really lucky. In 96, I did the World Feed um, and they weren't real happy with, with the guy who was TDing there uh, for Fox and they asked me to do it the next year. And it was a wonderful experience and it really kind of opened up a lot of doors for me. That's awesome. So early in your career, you got to do an all-star game, right? Yeah. So, uh, so 97, uh, all-star game was, uh, you know, I, I started doing some games of the week and back then they started, I think in May or something like that, they, they knew everyone and those are big shows. And, uh, you know, we work with, uh, with a big crew and you had a set day and whatnot. So that was kind of unusual for me to get used to that. But, uh, the first world, uh, the first all-star game was 97 and, uh, we were in Cleveland and I was, I was nervous, you know, it was a big show and, you know, John Filippelli gives me the big speech. All right, guy, you know, you've had a, you know, you've, you've done a few shows for us on Saturdays and you, you have a mistake, but you know, the whole world's watching now and all baseball is watching. So we need to do a clean show. So I'm like, Oh God, you know, a little, a little more pressure. So we're, we're doing the game and uh, we've, we've got two trucks hooked up um, to control this, all this stuff. It was, you know, it's before we could map TDs per ME. You had to have a separate truck. Anyways, we're, uh, we're doing a, a little test uh, interview with Tim McCarver and uh, the other trucks hooked up with a GPI, they can control and trigger. And all of a sudden we're sitting down with the commissioner and all of a sudden my, my replay, whoosh, it goes off. And I'm like, everyone looks at me like, what'd you do? I'm like, I didn't do anything. I didn't, I didn't touch anything. And I get on with the, with the next door of the guys in the truck. I said, Hey, you guys do anything over there? Like, Oh, we didn't do anything. And I'm like, Oh God, this is going to be really scary. Anyways, we get through the, we get through the, uh, the interview. It turns out they had powered off the, uh, the DVE and that's a GPI pulse to my DVE 
and it triggered the replay wipe, but they didn't want to admit it. But uh, so that was one fun thing. And then we we actually get to the game next day. And uh, I don't know if you remember, but uh, I think the year before, Randy Johnson had uh, thrown an inside pitch at, uh, who was it? Uh, Cruck. And he went up there and, and he, he got dusted and, and he got, went up there and put his hat on backwards and, and bat left-handed. So the, so the next year, this is 97 now, and I forget who's batting. Who was it? Is it Cruck again? Uh, no, I think it's Larry Walker, I think. And, uh, and so we flash back to it. We, and we have to bail out of this, out of this package early because the pitch is coming. Back then, Bill Webb had a blue flash, which was kind of unusual. So he used this blue flash. And so instead of effect out of it, he wanted to flash out of it. So now I'm like one of those moments where you're just like, oh, shit, I got to get this done. So I go down to my program boss. I hit the, I hit the, the, the button that should be the wipe, which I'd copied over uh, to be a flash. And it turns out it's a wipe. And he goes, but we get out just in time. And Tim McCarver, and he throws inside. He goes, he did it again. He did it again. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, if we would have missed that moment, so if you go back and watch, and it's on tape somewhere, I, I've called it up on uh, on YouTube, and you go back and you watch that moment, you'll see a left or right wipe go across just in time to get out to see the pitch go inside and almost hit him. So that was one of those moments where um, you realize, okay, I think I can do this. You know, it was scary, but uh, and you also realize as a technician, sometimes it, I really didn't even know what my hands did. That's when I knew I was kind of could do it because I just instinctively reached for stuff. I didn't have to look. And uh, anyways, that was one of those fun moments where you kind of like look back and I go, I'm so glad we didn't miss that pitch. I'm so glad we didn't miss that pitch. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, that's always my nightmare is that you're going to not hit the button early enough and you're going to miss a replay, miss a pitch. You're going to miss a bucket. You're going to miss whatever it is. And so, uh, yeah, that's the worst feeling in the world. But it also shows that honestly, things don't always go perfect in the truck. You know, we always wish they did. Every director, every technician, everybody, we all wish everything goes perfect, but there's not that many perfect games. Uh, you had a quite unperfect experience in 2000 at the World Series. Tell me about that one. Yeah, so in 2000, it was again, it's the last, I pretty much knew it was going to be the last World Series I was going to do. Um, and we ended up doing the uh, the Yankees and the Mets. So Yankees and Mets set up, this is so great, we're, I'm awesome, we're going to have the same truck. They said, oh no, we're going to set up two separate trucks. One's going to have a Sony switcher, and one's going to have a Grass Valley switcher. Now, if you know anything about TD back then, it's it, they're separate. It's like a different mindset for each one of those switchers. They each, each have a different function. So I had to go between, luckily I only went four game series. So I had to go between two games on the Sony switcher, two games on the Grass Valley switcher. And the thing that was most difficult after you just actually wrapping your head around the, the, the thought process on each one was that the cut button and the dissolve button for the fonts were exactly opposite. So... <laughs> You had to, on the Sony, it was to the left, and on the switch, on the grass, which was to the right, I think. Um, but anyways, it was backwards. And then we had to add, on top of that, multiple downstream keyers to match the keyers for the Sony. So then we had the same thing. We had two trucks tied together. And I'll never forget, so you're going through all those different things. You got trucks tied together. You got cameras. Well, Bill Webb always skipped camera 13. Um, it, was his, it was kind of his thing. So there's never a 13. So the first night, we faxed. We were getting the Yankee Stadium. And uh, it's, it's, it's late and it's long. When everyone's done the postseason, you know, you've done the whole postseason. So you've been on the road now for almost, you know, 20 days, something like that. And uh, sure enough, all right, your camera and camera, it always went to camera 13, which would be camera 14, um, is always, always in the separate truck. So now it's like, it's like midnight. We're faxing, okay, camera 13, do you have a tally? No tally. Oh, my God. So we spent 
And, and then camera 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, all down the line, everything was one off for all the way down. And you're just like, oh my God. And I remember uh, Dave Chesney, all these guys right there. We had, they had rats climbing around inside that stadium. This was the old Yankee stadium. And they're trying to fax. I think we got it at about three, four o'clock in the morning. Once we finally got it, everything figured out. Like, hey, camera 13. Oh, so 13. Okay, so camera 14. You know, it was, oh God. It was just one of those, it was one of those World Series that I, I was glad to see it only went for. And that was my last one as well, too. Um, it was kind of bittersweet. I didn't know for sure it was going to be my last one. Um, but uh, it, it was still a fun experience. And, um, you know, the, the Yankees were the Yankees. That was, that was the, the whole time I was basically TDing for the Fox. It's when Yankees were just the powerhouse there that they were. So we were always the Yankee Stadium. Uh, I don't, I'm trying to remember that series because then obviously the next year was 9 11 and the Yankees and the Diamondbacks. And so, yeah, that, that those those Yankees were definitely a powerhouse, and then of course working with the legend like Billy Webb had to be fun. Yeah, working with Webby was a was a was, was a very learning learning experience. I'm I'm lucky. I, learned, I think I've learned with two of the of the best uh, baseball directors, uh, Jim Lynch and Bill Webb. I think are the two best guys. Um, each had their Absolutely. own strength. Bill Webb was obviously legendary uh, in the postseason. I learned a lot of my uh, initial chops from Jim Lynch working in Jumatron in the Bay Area. But yeah, working with Webb, he was, uh, I, I never saw that guy get really get stressed. I mean, he smoked a lot. Uh, you know, that was his form of stress. You know, he'd be sitting there smoking. He'd go outside the truck and say, hey, uh, uh, take four. You know, he'd stay in the back of the truck outside and smoke. And, you know, I remember one time, uh, it was actually in the 2000 World Series. We, uh, he went out, he would go on the platform outside the truck, and we took the blimp. And we say, hey, blimp, because he had a special channel. I'd go talk to him and say, hey, go over, zoom in on the outside of the truck. So we came, we recorded <laughs> Webby smoking outside the truck on the porch. And, that's that, and so when he walked back in, he saw the blimp following back in. He goes, ah, go fuck yourself, ah, go fuck yourself. And so we play it back, and, you know, and, uh, and it, was, it was pretty funny. He, he, he had a sense of humor. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, he let me direct. That was really cool. Like, he let me direct World Series, you know, when, like on blowout games. He would say, like, hey, he would always go, you want some chair time? And I'd say, what? You want some chair time? And I'd say, well, yeah. Yeah. So it'd be like, you know, seven nothing in the, you know, in the eighth inning of a game. And I'd be cutting the shit out of everything. Like, oh, give me the bad the signals. You know, I'm, do, I'm, I'm doing everything crazy. You know, people at home probably didn't know us, but I just wanted to do it. Yeah. I, uh, actually, when we were moving down here to LA, I went through a, a box of tapes and I, I, I got rid of them, but I had tapes that had like World Series, you know, sixth inning director or whatever. You know, I, you know, I had VHS tapes and that stuff like that. That, uh, so I was, I was grateful for him to do that. And then, you know, he, he was also, you know, he said nice things to my bosses as well, too, to help me, uh, you know, continue on. And, you know, he helped me get to NFL Europe, which is uh, what yeah, I, I got to do right after that. your experience in NFL Europe. That was a whole different endeavor for everybody. Yeah, it was great. That was right when I was, uh, I think that started, I think I went over there in 99. So I went over the 99, 2000, 2001, 2002. I think I was there for four years. And because I was a TD, um, you know, and Webby's had, had put some nice words in. I got, I got to go over there and kind of like learn from some of the best, uh, you know, football guys. I'm Rich Russo was there and, and he, you know, he took me under his wing and I picked his brain and those guys were so, he was so gracious and sharing knowledge and, and my, and camera assignments and, and, you know, talking things like that. And that was one of those experiences. It was awesome. Uh, you know, Kareen and I went over there for, I think five weeks at a time, I think five weeks. And then I think one time we went four weeks, we were based in London and, uh, so yeah, you're based in London. You got a flat there, and then you travel every weekend either to a, you know Amsterdam or Germany or uh, it, it was needless to say it was a lot of fun. It was a great learning experience. Um, you're working with crews that didn't speak English a lot of times, or, or, or English was the second language, and um, 
we we were in Germany and uh, and show wasn't going so well, and you're trying to figure things out. You know, it was trying to trying to get terminology down. And I remember there was just like we're just like pulling teeth, we're kind of going. And Kevin Green was our was our analyst. We're teaching, working with him. And so finally, at one point, I said, uh, "All right, now we're cooking with gas." And it was kind of a silence. And then this guy comes on and goes, "Is that good?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's right." Like uh, colloquialisms didn't really play that well, but it was it was such a great experience. And um, you know that in turn led to me uh, working for college football with Fox because I, I got to do that with them. Um, it, although it was quite it was several years later, but it was still an amazing experience. And uh, you know, guys like uh, you know John Ward, um, who now runs uh, Directv, uh, Jeff Gallon was over there. Um, we interviewed Jeff. I work with uh, quite a lot of the people that were over there that are still still talk about those, some of those great stories um, of being NFL Europe. And it was like I said, it was a great great experience. I'm I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. So after how soon after that did you get into regional television? Uh, your first job was in Wisconsin, correct? Yeah. So I've been uh, I worked with three different regionals. So I've worked uh, Wisconsin for five, six, and seven. And then I was in Milwaukee, and then uh, in Milwaukee for five, six, seven, and then Arizona. After that, eight to fourteen, and then we moved to uh, Oregon, kind of slowed down a little bit, and then I ended up picking up the Angel stuff. And so I've been with Angels. This will be my what fourth year with them. Yeah. Um, so now we move down here to do that. So yeah, you know, it's it's interesting working with uh, three different regions because each one has its own strength, and so I, I've been able to really work with some interesting people and, and really kind of hone my craft along the way. Milwaukee was a great experience, kind of the first time I had my own kind of quote-unquote crew and uh, work with uh, John Walsh there who uh, has gone on to do other things and now it's back there. I think, I believe he's, he's moved back. Um, that was a great experience. Uh, you know, all three places had have great crews. I really feel like all those places have just some phenomenal crews. I've been really lucky to work with them and I'm friends with each and every one of those guys today. I mean, the majority of the people I'm still friends with and, you know, I work with some of them on, on, a, on a national level as well. Um, Lindsay Greshel, who's now, his name is Lindsay Plojak. I, I, I thought she should have been Greshel Plojak. Um, I hyphenated that, but, you know, she, uh, I gave her, I didn't give her, but she, I hired her the first time for one of her gigs and that's when I was still a pretty good CD. So I was able to help her kind of prepare, um, you know, for regional stuff and, and whatnot. And now she ended up uh, TDing XFL with me on a national level and she does CBS stuff. So it's really rewarding to see some of those people that you work with on, on, uh, on the regional level, especially people like, like her that I kind of like helped along um, and get to the national level. And then obviously a lot of guys from, uh, from Phoenix I work with as well on the national level as well too. So um, it's, it's been interesting working for different regionals and then coming down here to LA um, which is where I first met my wife, Karina. She was in LA. So I, I kind of knew a lot of the people down here. A lot of those guys uh, were on the national crew on our the Saturday game of the week with me for the Fox uh, baseball. So I knew a lot of those guys already. So it was, uh, was kind of full circle. What is uh, one of your favorite memories from Wisconsin early in your career? I mean, your first kind of your show that you just get to mold and shape. God, there's a, there's a lot of, I mean, let's see, let's see. Well, the first one, I guess, uh, I guess that would be seven was the first year they didn't have a losing season. So they went, they finished 500. So that was pretty fun. And the fact that, you know, they, they, uh, they kind of celebrated that. Um, God, what are those other ones? We, I, I had a lot of fun. I remember one time specifically, I bet a guy, an underbody car wash. If the, if the guy hit a home run the next pitch and, uh, and he hit a home run the next pitch. And I just remember screaming, that's an underbody car wash. Take four. You know, I remember cutting that, have a lot of fun with that. Um, 
that was, you know, I, one of the things we did there too, is I, uh, I had instituted uh, some new camera positions, right? Um, they had a new owner. So we, we, uh, we installed like a left field camera that, that's on a lift. The team helped us out in that. So that was pretty cool to, to be able to kind of like mold some stuff. And we added a new right field position as well. So some of those things like that were, were, were pretty cool and, and fun to do. Um, now left field camera, they still use to this day, I believe. Um, put some things in the wall. And I remember the only rule was we were not supposed to shoot because we could shoot up the, uh, up the dugout tunnel. We were not supposed to shoot up that dugout tunnel. So, so sure enough, what happens? The Mets were in and Webby's taking a feed of that camera and there's a fight in that tunnel, right? And it's like, we see it and the Mets play it, you know? And so it's like, oh, what are we gonna do now? You know, so I'm like, we, we, so I go, Bill, uh, this is rock, Bill Schroeder. And I go, hey man, there's a fight in the dugout. He goes, well, we can't show that. I go, the Mets just showed it. We're going to look stupid if we don't show it, you know, because it's going to be like, well, you know, so, so he goes, okay, we'll show it, but I won't say what happened. I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, great. So we didn't show up the tunnel part. We just showed the last part. And unbeknownst to us, actually what happened is going to commercial break, I actually went back and watched. We actually showed, I forget the catcher's name, but he, he ran down and, um, and threw a punch at the manager. So we actually saw it go in the break. We didn't really know it until I came back and watched it, went back. So you see him get up and run down there. So anyways, we showed it and played it, but that was the one, uh, I guess, thing I remember that was one of those things like, oh, oh, that was kind of, you know, everything was fine. We showed it, um, touched on it, and it was a big story, but we didn't get in trouble because luckily the Mets showed it first. So it was like, oh, that was their camera. No, it it wasn't our camera. Yeah, right. (laughs) The one thing I was was talking, that I do remember or had a lot of fun with in, in Arizona, as you probably remember this, I think still gets used to this day is, is the pool and the ball in the pool. Um, you know, the pool, yes. Yeah. That was just one of those things where it's just like, I don't even know why we thought about this, but it was just like, we, you know, I, I just got a GoPro. It wasn't even a GoPro back then. It was just, it was a little four by three camera. I got a bag, we zipped it up. And I had my friend sitting there, throw it as hard, throw it harder, throw it harder. <laughs> and uh, as you guys remember, you got probably some of the clip number memorized, but whenever that ball would go in there, it was like, yeah! I was was one of the effects I think was 112A. Yes, it was like we queue it right up. We had three different options. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, I think my favorite Arizona moment with you is we had a a producer who liked to prepare and liked to do his thing. And so we decided to do a 26 second pre-roll. Now, most people don't realize in this day and age, everything's on computers and digital. So we, everything's pretty much instant. We hit play, it goes. But in the old days, a one inch, you had long roll-ups so that the heads could connect as you'd have like a 10 second pre-roll. So it's a pretty normal thing. So for fun, we're like, let's do a 26 second pre-roll to the open of the show. And I will never forget that because you and I were totally simpatico and everyone else like, what's going on? And we hit play and the producer starts to get a little nervous. Like, what What are we doing? What's going on? And then it hits the top of the hour and I, you lost your mind. And it was one of my favorite <laughs> moments ever. You're like, it worked. <laughs> I do remember that too. That was, I, I do remember getting a little nervous around three seconds. I was like, okay, yeah, three, like, let's hope this works out. I do remember that. I do remember that very well. Yeah. We, I remember, you know, doing some other things, lit, lit some stuff on fire with the, uh, with the Exmo, we put some stuff out there. We branded some stuff. Yeah, we had a lot of fun there. I, I really, I really enjoyed my time there. I mean, I was there for eight years. That's a, that's a long time to be anywhere. And I, I, you know, we still have obviously a lot of really good friends there. So yeah, it's it's we had some definitely good times there. And we had what well, we had like four different producers, something like that, three or four different producers. And it was always different, trying to get a feel for each producer and, and how they want to do, you know, put their put their stamp on the show or how you want to work with them. And, you know, every producer director relationship obviously is is different. Some people want to do more, some people want to do less, some people want you to do this, some people don't want to do that. So that's part of the deal, I think, learning uh, 
to be a director is not just, you know, cutting the game, but how you interact with the person next to you and their whole crew, you know, really it's that's, and then, you know, doing the duels and, and going to, uh, in different markets, you know, I've been doing it now for 15 years. So you can know all these people and you know what to expect, but still it becomes this certain places you go, okay, I know I have to do this here. Or I can't do this here. You know, uh, Dave Burchett once told me that he always thought he the analogy was he was on a racehorse, you know, and sometimes you can always just make that horse just a little bit faster, you know, and sometimes, you know, you're riding a mule and you just want to just get it to go across the finish line. Sometimes you're riding a thoroughbred. So, you know, I'm not to say that you know, compare a, um, a crew to a mule, but I'm saying that that's the kind of thing you, you always just want to, whatever you're on or whatever you're doing, you just want to make it just a little bit better than you feel like that you've left your mark and done a good job. Oh yeah. No, I mean, it's, you always have to kind of adapt to environment, but, and every, every group of technicians is different, but I think the greatest thing for me about regional television is on the national stage, you get to travel, you become a family, but it's pretty much every weekend or it might like be on a Wednesday. So you don't see each other as often, whereas the regional, I mean, good and bad. Sometimes you get on each other's nerves after a 10 day homestand, but we, we are in the trenches every day, day in, day out with each other. And so it does build those, those great moments. Um, but I will say, speaking of this for you, your area, Angel's family took a pretty big hit last summer with Tyler Skaggs passing away. What was that experience like, especially the tribute game? And how did that affect the local crew and just the local Angel's family? Well, I will say that was a, uh, it was a tragic moment. I mean, I'll never forget when, where I will be, you know, for the rest of my life, where I was when I found out that, that he passed away. Um, you know, I, I knew Tyler from Arizona. And so when I came down here, you know, to, to Los Angeles, just doing the road game. So he'd be like, Hey dude, what's up? You know, it was just one of those kind of guys that, you know, he may not know my name, but he knew who I was. Um, so, so we hung out, you know, I know a few times we you know, hung out, had beers with, with him and, the, and a couple of other TV guys, but yeah, it was, um, so we were in, we were in, in Texas and, um, just the whole thing was, 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 was just crazy the way it evolved in Texas. They canceled the game. We have to do a press conference. Um, you're trying to figure out what we're going to do, trying to talk to our bosses. How do you want us to handle this? We do that. Next day we do a game, um, on the road. Um, we move hotels. There's no, uh, there's no jumbotron. There's no announcements. There's no fireworks going off. Very somber. Then we go to Houston. We do the same thing there. Then, uh, then we come home and, and we do the, the big tribute, um, for him. And, uh, yeah, it was crazy. So we, you know, we, we talked a lot, met with uh, our producer and, and, and our bosses. I think there was a, I think it was a, a half hour pregame show. And then his mom threw out the sermon on the first pitch. And it was, uh, you know, it was hard. You know, it was the first time in, I think second time actually, that I was actually, you know, I was crying during the, uh, during the national anthem, you know, and people, I wasn't the only one. People, it, was, it was hard, you know, and my handheld operator, you know, Joe and Johnny, he got on and said like, Mitch, I'm having a hard time out here. You know, he's shooting his mom and it was like, I know, man, hang in there. So, you know, we do this game, we do this emotional, um, first pitch, his mom, she's the dugout, uh, you know, we got rid of a lot of commercial breaks. We stayed through a lot of stuff and then, and then the game happens. Right. And then it's, you know, it's a special moment that, you know, they have this number in the back of the, on the back of the mound and, uh, Taylor Cole comes out throws two innings and then all of a sudden, um, you know, it starts getting, it starts getting like, that's a sixth sitting. There's, you know, there's no hits, you know, and, and uh, it starts getting like, oh, there's no way, this, there's just no way this is going to happen, you know? So, uh, you know, Gubazaw gets in the talk back in the seventh inning and goes, is this, is this happening? And we're like, yeah, like no one's really saying anything. It's just, you know, it's, 
And, and I will say, you know, the whole crew, everybody was, was elevated their game. Everyone knew what was happening. And the whole ceremony ahead of time was, was just awesome. Everyone was, everyone was just dialed in. Get to the eighth inning and we're like, holy shit, you know? And then Gooby gets to talk about it, goes, this is happening. This is really happening, you know? And we're like, everyone's, now we're just like, okay, you know, now we're, you know, we're documenting everything. We got handhelds everywhere. We're, you know, we're, we're just, I just, I still can't believe that it actually happened. And then, you know, and then you get to the ninth inning, you're just like, holy smoly, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, then it happens and it's a no hitter. And it's, it was a, it was a moment I'll, I'll never, ever forget. I mean, it was, it was an incredible moment. Um, you know, people were crying in the stands, people were crying on the field. We, you know, players were crying and then they took off their jerseys and they laid them on the mound. It was, it was a moment, like I said, I'll never, ever forget that moment, you know? And then I, I had my scorecard and I had both pitchers sign it for me. And, uh, you know, there were some really nice things on it. It's just one of those moments, like I said, you'll never forget. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was an unfortunate moment for, for Tyler, but I think, you know, how you believe in or whatever you believe in there's felt like he was definitely there looking down, you know, manipulating some things. It was, it was unbelievable. And I'm getting chills just really just talking about it now. Oh yeah. Um, I I remember in our truck, you know, email goes out in like the sixth inning, the, that they're, they're in a combined no hitter. And it's like, really? And so even in our truck, I forget if we were on the road or at home, but even in our truck, it was like, our game didn't matter. Uh, the whole the whole universe like all of a sudden started focusing realizing like Tyler Skaggs this is an this is a major thing and there's something special happening and so yeah I think I'm pretty sure we played the end of the game as well when they did get the combined no hitter I mean it was just it was just a powerful moment I mean we could feel the emotion in our truck so I can't imagine what your truck was like yeah I I just, I, I think I said I literally after I, we did, I took the cut and and Pena falls down on his knees. It was, it was a great shot. And, and I said, no fucking way, no fucking way. I mean, and Gooby just was like, no fucking way. I mean, it was, we were a lot of swearing, a lot of crying. Um, but it was, you know, those guys did a great job, you know, Victor and Gooby just, they laid out let the moment. Like what else are you going to say? It just, you know, they did a really good job in the whole thing. You did a great job. I mean, I went back and watched it. It was amazing. The end of that game. It, so. it was and like I said, the crew, the crew just stepped up and it was, it was one of those things like it's, it's a weird thing to, to, to be proud of something when someone passed away, you know, it's, it's, but I think, you know, we, we did, we did, the, we did it justice. And, and I think uh, that game will live on forever, you know, and, and it'll be called the Tyler Skaggs, no hitter. I mean, how bizarre is that? That he wasn't even alive, wasn't at the game, but it's still going to be called the Tyler Skaggs, no hitter. So I think that's a tribute testament to him because he was quite the leader in the clubhouse. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and for me personally, I mean, it's a testament to your abilities. I did get the pleasure of working with you for many years in Arizona um, you're one of the best baseball directors I've ever worked with. There's things even in, as I've started directing games and I kind of try to think back to things you did and the things you watched and, you know, it's, it's great for me. And so when I heard you got the chance, every baseball director's dream is to do the postseason. season, any postseason doesn't matter what it is. And last year was your first year. You got the chance to do postseason baseball. Uh, what was that experience like after all the years of grinding through the RSNs and doing all the hundreds and thousands of games? And then all of a sudden there you are doing postseason baseball. Well, it was, it was great. I got a call um, just about a month out and due to some other scheduling conflicts, um, they asked me to do it. And I was obviously thrilled to do it. I've been waiting my whole career to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, I wanted to go five. Of course, all the technicians were like, we wanted to go three. I'm like, no way. I want to go five, man. Let's go five. And, and it did. It went, it went five. Um, and the Yankees had the Yankees Tampa Bay series and, uh, it, it went, it went five, but, uh, it was a blast. It was really fun. It was, you know, I work with 
um, a crew that I kind of inherited. I added a couple of my own guys to it as well. But that part was a little challenging trying to um, get guys to kind of think the way I think. But they responded really well. And I knew a lot of them already, but I hadn't worked on them on that quite of a basis. Um, and then working with Aaron Stroykoff, who I've known since 1991 as a tape operator in the Bay Area. I've known Aaron a long time, so that was great working with him as well, too. So that made me real comfortable. Um, it was a blast. I mean, having, I remember thinking like, okay, I wasn't sure how many cameras I was going to have. And all of a sudden I saw my list. I was like, wow, well, I got, because I had highs, I had mids, I had lows. You had left field, you had right field, you had three center field cameras. And so it was really cool to have that kind of stuff. Then you had to start thinking about, okay, how am I going to assign all these cameras? Because you have your basic cameras that you know you're going to do with, but then you have kind of the extra cameras, you know, trying to figure out, okay, how do I, how do I give these guys a little bit of freedom, but I still want them to be within assignments uh, and trying to learn that. That's one of those kind of things that I, I think I try and give, uh, you know, camera guys a little bit of freedom, but I, here's what I want you to do in this freedom. Like if you have this choice, I want you to think this way or think this way. So it's not necessarily assignment on those, on those kind of those freelance cameras. So that was a, a challenge trying to get guys to think the way I think and like think through baseball situations. Okay. In this situation, I want you to do this. In this situation, the bigger thing is the defensive guy. In this situation, the bigger thing is the offensive guy. So trying to, you know, make sure you have all your nuts and bolts covered with, with your regular cameras and your add on cameras, you're trying to get them to think the way you're thinking. Uh, so that was really fun, really challenging. And, uh, I, I was ready to do some more and everyone else was, you know, one of the next round I was done. So, uh, but it was, it was, it was cool to do. It was very really cool to do. Um, it was Houston. Uh, I said Yankees. It was Houston, uh, Tampa Bay. Um, but it was. Now, was there any was there any nerves for you when the other series went short and now every eyeball is on you? You know what? I think the for me, like you know, you do so many games now. I've done thousands of games as a director, and you still get a little bit of a you know nerve when you go on the air. But you're, for the most part, you're pretty pretty relaxed. You know, you've gotten used to that that feeling. But when I did the first game, we hit that first open. I think that's when I felt, felt like, like, all right, this is, this is, this is real here. we got some eyes on us tonight. So that's when I kind of felt it. When the other series ended, I didn't really feel as much. I felt it more on that first game during that first open. Cause we did it live and uh, you know, and then they had the towel wave and all that thing coming in. So you're doing all that kind of stuff live. And there's a couple of things you have to one piece on tape. You had to make sure you get this piece and go back to that. Um, that's what I kind of felt a little bit. And then game five was, uh, was, was pretty fun too. You kind of felt like, all right, this is going to be over, but I just, I wanted to be a good game. It wasn't that great game. Uh, Houston was pretty much in control. I think by the second or third inning. Um, but you definitely did feel it in that first game. I was like, all right, this is what I've been trying to get to my whole life. And you kind of felt, you kind of got it. You know, little butterflies and something more than, more than usual, but it was, it was fun. Well, I got to say it was well-deserved. Uh, I enjoyed watching that series. You did a great job. Uh, it's a pleasure having you on today, man. You're one of my favorite people to work for. It's uh, Arizona's loss is LA's gain. Uh, congratulations on all your success, man. It's well, well-deserved. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you doing this too. And like I said, I just hope, uh, I hope we get back to our real job soon enough. I'm, 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 I'm on the other side of the camera for a reason. Um, <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. So, but no, but Hey, thanks for doing this. And like I said, I just want people out there, you know, hang in there. Um, you know, Fox has stepped up. I think we got an email yesterday. They're going to go one more weekend. So that helps out some people. They're going to pay this the 19th. Uh, we're hoping that, you know, Sinclair, they, they might help us out still as well. Other places have stepped up. Um, you know, the unemployment stuff is, is, is available for us, everybody. So do what we need to, you know, hunker down a little bit here, stay safe, wash your hands, you know, stash away some of that money. And, uh, and hopefully we'll all be back here. I'm hoping I don't know anything, but I'm hoping at least by July. I mean, you and I were talking a little earlier, maybe June, maybe May. Kyle, let's just hope we get a season in because uh, we all need it. Yeah, no, and I, I more than just the work, 
I just want sports back. I mean, it's just a level yep. of like we we have the pleasure of working and getting paid to do sports. But I am a sports fan. I love sports and I miss sports. I mean, it's fun to watch the old games, but it's just not the same. Absolutely. So, all right, Mitch. Well, you have a good one. Uh, get back to remodeling your home, your new home in LA, yeah. and have a good day. All right, man. Peace. Peace. Take care. See you. For more information on today's show, visit our website at BehindTheCamerapodcast.com, and we'll see you next time.